Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Jamie Creel with Shelter Insurance. Come see how we've built a name that you can trust and why it is a must to get your free quote today with our Switch and Save. Located in Ridgeland and Florida, Mississippi, give us a call, 601-992-6000. He's the former president and publisher of the Sun-Herald, and now he's on the radio. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. It's another beautiful day in coastal Mississippi. What a great time of year it is to be here. Welcome to Coast View, the show that celebrates the men and women who are making coastal Mississippi such a great place to live, work, and play. Uh, Listen, it's Friday, so we're jumping right into it. We've got the opportunity every Friday to spend time with Jeff Duncan from NOLA.com and the Times-Picayune. He is the man when it comes to the Saints. NOLA.com and uh, the Times-Picayune and their coverage of the Saints. There's not a better platform to go get Saints information. If you hadn't signed up for that newsletter, you should do that. Anyway, welcome to back to Coast View, my friend. How you doing, Jeff? Uh, it's good to be back in uh, you know the Gulf Coast, Ricky. I spent the weekend out and actually most of the week out in San Francisco, which is beautiful country. Love it out there, but uh, it's nice to be back home. I saw some of the pictures that you posted, and you, obviously not your first time there. You've been there many, 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 many times over the many years. But, boy, there's a, there's a lot to like about some of the scenery there, isn't it? Yeah, Marin County uh, over across the bay is spectacular. It reminds me a lot of, like, the Mediterranean coast in, in Italy and France, just beautiful vistas with the mountains right next to the water. You don't see a lot of places where you have – mountains and water together and so it's just a unique place it, it reminds me a little bit san francisco reminds me a little of new orleans and that it's a major city with a very small footprint with distinctive architecture history neighborhoods uh it, it's just an amazing place and uh unfortunately the saints did not get a victory there that was a very tough game for them but i thought they played well against a really good team yeah we'll get that one uh, last point um Knight Ritter, uh, the company that owned the Sun-Herald uh, before McClatchy, the current owner, was there, moved their headquarters from Miami to San Jose. And we had our publisher meetings in Half Moon Bay on the Pacific Coast over there. Yeah. And I, Ann and I would uh, we'd cut, fly into San Francisco, rent a, a convertible, and drive that, that lower stretch of uh, Highway 1. And then go into the red, the redwood forest. You know, heading into Palo Alto. Whew, buddy, that's a that's a. It's interesting that they had that kind of sort of rural setting that close to this major city. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, look, I drove that drive on Monday because I drove down to visit Scott Fujita, the former Saints linebacker, and, and his second career as a as an educator. And so I did that drive, and yeah, it's spectacularly beautiful and spectacularly harrowing. <laughs> Just, you some... know, it didn't surprise me, man, that you uh, that you took the time to go to Carmel Valley to spend some time with Scott Fujita. You're a guy who's all about, okay, I'm going to enjoy the sights, but what can I do while I'm here? <laughs> that's kind of what you said, isn't it? Yeah, well, I mean, I just think that's such a unique uh, you know, choice for Scott, how he's living his life now post-playing career. It doesn't surprise me. I mean, he was a high achiever uh, in college and in, in the NFL and the fact that he's now the head of school at a it's a preschool to eighth grade co-ed private school in this little town along the California coast. And he's loving it. I mean, he doesn't 
talk about being a former NFL player. He doesn't brand himself that way. I mean, he likes kind of where he's at in life with his family. And it's just a, it's a unique story. It says a lot about Scott. And, you know, he's, he has an interesting background. His parents were they adopted him uh, when he was very young. His father's uh, Asian. So he, you know, when he would make a sack in the NFL, he would to, to tribute uh, his Japanese heritage. He would do the little bow. Uh, you know, just it, it just says a lot about him as a person, and and he's loving uh, being an educator, making an impact on these kids' lives. I, I enjoyed your story, and people can go see that at NOLA.com. It's actually posted up there now on NOLA.com slash saints, and you will see also that it was posted yesterday at just after 5 o'clock. And uh, it's a great story, so go read it. So, look, you, I, you, you guys have done a great job, as you have all season long, sort of, bringing it all to focus and of course the headline the anatomy of a smothering probably speaks to that saints had a lot of opportunities to win that game buddy i mean it just they literally you know the story of the season has been shooting themselves in the foot this is a game you could not shoot yourself in the foot you had to you had to take advantage of every opportunity and it's just incredible how close we got so many times yeah i remember when i first started covering the nfl ricky uh, Jeff Fisher and Jim Haslett later when I covered the Saints, both of them said one of the important factors in a season is when you play teams, right? And, and we've talked about it on, on your show before. And I think the Saints caught the Niners at the perfect time. I mean, they'd, they'd been on the road a couple weeks. They'd been down to Mexico City on a Monday night, so they had a short week of preparation. They've won two games, so they're a little fat and happy. And they didn't play their A game. I mean, you, you could just see they were kind of slogging around out there. They were they were ripe to be had. And the Saints had a good game plan. I thought the defense played exceptional. They tackled well. All the things that they needed to do to be in that game, they hold them to 13 points. But they just made too many mistakes. And that's been their Achilles heel all season long, either whether it's penalties or turnovers. Uh, they just can't get over the hump. They're not good enough to overcome those things. And I wrote in my column, I mean, I've seen when the Saints are really good, under those Drew Brees, Sean Payton uh, years, I've seen them win games like that just the way the 49ers did a million times. I mean, they don't play their A game. They just need to get out of town with a win and move on to the next week. They'll get rested up. And that's what the Niners did. So it's a little misleading to me because I think the Niner, if the Saints would have scored and made it 13-7, I think the Niners would have just driven down the field and got a field goal somehow and put the game away. I think it was not as close as maybe it looks, but it was a game that the Saints could have won if they would have played well. And they just they haven't played well in a long time against a good team. Well, you had you know had some key fumbles, you had some key uh, penalties as you pointed out. Then you had a couple of calls. You know, sometimes these calls go your way, and sometimes they don't go your way. Like the interception that got taken away, and the the catch that people yep. arguably say was a catch. Um, but, you know, that's what close games are. Close games do often go down to one play, don't they? Yeah, I, I did think, you know, I'm not a big uh, officiating guy, but I did think there was a lot of bad calls both ways in that game. I just I felt like the crew was way too involved in some parts of the game, and then other parts they did let them play. I mean, they didn't call hardly any holdings. They didn't call hardly any, you know, pass interferences. But then – you know, the ticky-tack call on Chris Harris that took away the, the interception return, that was a killer. I mean, the Saints have been fighting and clawing all year to try and get takeaways. They finally get one, and it was a very minor – I mean, it could have gone either way. And I felt like on the opposite side, 
they took a touchdown away from the Niners on a George Kittle hold that was very similar ticky-tack. I mean, those are game-changing plays that you're calling back. Uh, I just felt like – and I felt like the catch. And I'm going to write about that this week, Ricky, just to give you a little preview. If you go back and watch, you remember the catch that Chris Olave made against the 40 – I'm sorry, the Seattle Seahawks when he got slammed to the turf and the ball came out in the end zone and they reviewed it. Then ultimately ended up overturning it and making it a catch, if you remember, and gave the Saints a touchdown then. If you go back and watch that play, it's almost exactly what happened to him in this game that they didn't call it a catch. So the inconsistency, I think, is what frustrates fans is what is a catch? What What is a, a call? And the fact that there's no uniformity, I think, is very disappointing. Well, when I saw the replay on that catch, my immediate reaction was, you know, they, they of course, they were – they were hoping with the red flag that it wouldn't be a catch. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, definitely it's a catch. I mean, he had a full possession of it as the ball went to the ground, and it was, uh, you know, microseconds later that the ball came loose. You're talking about holes. I don't remember this specific play. Do you remember the play when one of our wide receivers was was going out and uh, and the defensive player actually had his hand in his hand, you know, holding his hand? Yes. And, of course, you know, no call, you know. They didn't call, right. A bunch of holes against, in particular against Jarvis Landry. He's not the fastest guy in the world, so he needs, when he gets separation, he needs, you know, he needs it. And I just felt like that's what I'm talking about. They let players get away with some things and then, you know, call it on a ticky-tack on the other way. And I think that if you talk to players and coaches, they just want some kind of consistency so they know how to play. And I felt like that game, no one can get consistency and I think it's frustrating for everyone, especially the Saints. When you're going through a four and eight season and you're fighting and clawing in a game like that, you get a couple of game changing calls. Um, it's difficult to overcome. And they, look, they shot themselves in the foot again and made their own mistakes, jumping off sides. I mean, I've written about this. They now have 22 false start penalties. I mean, that's unheard of. It leads the league. That that stuff doesn't didn't happen under Sean Payton. I don't. I hate to keep talking about the Sean Payton era, but the fact is, we've seen it. We've seen what a good football team plays like, a disciplined team, and we're not seeing it right now, and I think there's something to that. Yeah, and Ryan Ramchak. I mean, you used to never see him jump off sides. I know, and it, it, it forced them to try a field goal instead of going for it on fourth down, and they missed the field goal, and, and Will Lutz hasn't had a great year. There's just a little bit of a – and I did my, my Fox 8 commentary this week about – how the team lacks like an edge. I mean, they're playing hard. I know that. They, they play hard for Dennis Allen, but there's some kind of focus that's been missing. And I believe it's a little bit of a lack of intensity. Uh, you know, you don't fumble on the fourth play of the game the way Alvin Kamara did without lacking a little focus. Jumping yeah, outside. There, you know, there's things, defi- there's definitely something there. Now, listen, as we come to the end of the segment, the headline at NOLA.com slash Saints is Saints, despite dismal 4-8 and eight records, still in hunt for woeful NFC South. Amazing that we could even have that kind of conversation right now. Right. Anyway, when we get back on the other side, we'll continue this conversation with Jeff Duncan from NOLA.com and the Times Speaking. See you after this break. Listen live or on demand and watch episodes of Coast View on your laptop, desktop, or on your phone or tablet by going to supertalkmsgulfcoast.com. 
His love for the coast is why he's here. It's Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi. Coast. Welcome back to Coast View. We have Jeff Duncan from NOLA.com and the Times Picayune because it's Friday on Coast View and we're talking Saints. And, uh, and when, you know, we'll be getting into the Pelicans season at some point. We've talked about it in the last couple of weeks. Zion's playing incredible, great ball. Uh, so we'll we'll uh, we'll we'll have the opportunity to talk more about the Pelicans as we go forward. But when we went to break, he was saying there's just an edge that's missing. As a, as a Saints fan, you see that, you feel it, and uh, you know you, you you said you hate to look back on Peyton, and I I get it, I did, but but it's you have to. That's the point of comparison that we have. But it's just not Peyton. It's it's also Drew Brees. You wrote the book on Sean Payton and Drew Brees, literally wrote the book on Sean Payton and Drew Brees. So with Sean Payton, you had this intense coach, this sort of off the field, and you don't see the same kind of intensity during the game that you saw from Sean Payton. And then you had the other coach on the field, Drew Brees. I mean, the leadership he was providing in that in that huddle was beyond that of a quarterback. I mean, he, if somebody was making mistakes, he was he was on their butt. So I, I think we're missing that. I'm... I, I, you know, we know we don't have the starter that we need at quarterback, but it seems to me there's a lack of leadership. No, I agree 100%. Uh, you can see it in the post game locker room when we go in there. Uh, a lot of players just looking to get out of there. There's nobody stepping up after a tough loss. I mean, look, I know it's not what you really want to do. I get it. I've, I've covered a lot of losing teams, but it's part of being a professional athlete, it's part of being a leader. Not only for your teammates, but you know the organization's paying you a lot of money to handle these kind of things. Yeah, and you know it, it's not just uh, you know to speak to the media. You know your your fans are looking for you to provide answers to them. It's really just a respect thing, and uh, we're not seeing it, man. It's just like a lot of you know rats off the sinking ship. Everybody's trying to get out of there as quick as they can, and it's just a lack of uh, cohesiveness. And in my opinion, professionalism. And, um, you know, it's been that way all year. It's just been missing. It's not the guys. They got a good group of guys. It's just no one's stepping up into that void uh, that, that's been missing since Drew Brees left. Well, listen, when Mark Ingram gets the ball, my son Jordan and I, who often watch the game together, we always like hold our breath because, I mean, we're always worried that he's going to fumble. But you think back, and you never thought that way with Alvin Kamara. But now you're thinking that way with Alvin Kamara. What in the world is that all about? Yeah, he's got four fumbles now. It's the most he's had. He, he's only had one other year in his career, 2019, where he had four in a season. He's always been very sure-handed. And look, the Niners are excellent at that. So, you know, they had to have talked about that in their preparation. I'm sure they did. And it, again, this goes back to what we talked about earlier, lack of focus, attention to detail. Those were hallmarks of Sean Payton coach teams. And it's missing right now when you're not that overwhelmingly talented like the Saints are. You have to play well to be in these games. And they're just they're, they're missing a little bit of talent, a lot of leadership. And then this attention to detail, focus, uh, the edge we talked about. Uh, that's why they're four and eight. You know what's unfortunate? Even with Michael Thomas going down and the other injuries that we've had to deal with with our receivers, the receivers have actually stepped up to the plate. I mean, they're they're not they're not dropping balls like they did this time last year. Alave is a star, going to be a major star. Already is a star in this league. Young guys are that we weren't sure about last year have really stepped up. You know, it's unfortunate that we're having this the the, the season that we're having because you're beginning to see. 
some real talent in the receiver core, aren't you? Yeah, look, I, I think you could say that across the board. Uh, defensively, uh, Caden Ellis has stepped up into a, a larger role and played very well at linebacker. Paulson Adebo is finally playing at corner the way we saw in training camp when we were all raving about him. He's playing lights out at corner. They hopefully will get Marshawn Lattimore back. So you start to feel good about certain areas. The defense, I think, will play again this week very well. I think they know the Bucs. I think they match up well with them. I expect that to be a low-scoring game. The Saints are going to be all in on this one, Ricky. I mean, it's it's do or die. So you're going to get the Saints A game. Now, whether it's good enough, we'll see. But uh, I think there's some silver linings to this season, like you mentioned with the Lave. Uh, Jawan Johnson has emerged at tight end. Troutman's been solid at the other uh, you know, tight end spot. So there's some things to feel good about, but you got to get a quarterback at some point. And that's to me, like if you're talking about the future, what do you do there? It's a quarterback driven league. And uh, you can see when Saints play teams that have good quarterbacks, they very rarely win that battle. Yeah, it's uh, it's a uh, it's really unfortunate. Um, you know, one of the one of the observations I had is that when we was on the defensive line, some of the younger players came in and did really well. Actually, um, what is there conversations about potentially some of our stars have lost their step? Well, I haven't heard that, but I do think one of the more interesting things facing the Saints this offseason is what do they do with Marcus Davenport. I mean, this is his contract year. This is fifth year. They traded up in the first round, as every Saints fan knows, to get him. And, uh, you know, two first-round picks. He has not had the breakout year like a lot of us thought he would. And uh, it's big for him. What do they do? Do they offer him a major contract or not and let him walk? And he's the kind of guy that could go somewhere next year and get 15 sacks. And everybody's like, what What happened? So I think it's going to be a really interesting decision for them. He's the one guy I watch. So, yeah, so when you look at them, it will be interesting to see what happens to Davenport. Man, what a disappointment. I mean, just remember the conversations we were having about the defensive line and the defense. Even though the defense has not played poorly, if we could have had a, a uh, offense that went along with that defense, this, this it, given especially, the, as you, you guys say, the woeful NFC South, we'd be, we'd be leaders in our division. Well, look, I, I think – it's still there for the taking amazingly. I mean, we wrote about it this week. I mean, if they win Monday night, which I think they've got a good shot to win, they'll be five and eight, and they'll be a half game out of first place with, with a very user-friendly schedule the rest of the way. They still have Atlanta and Carolina in the Superdome. Cleveland's beatable. The Really, the only tough game left after Tampa would be at Philadelphia, and I think they're kind of struggling right now. So there's there's hope. Don't get me wrong. There's hope. But this team has got the longest winning streak it's had all year is one game. <laughs> so it's hard for me to think <laughs> that they're going to riddle off five wins. But you never know. You get you get some hope, optimism, and momentum. They are getting healthier. Uh, we think they'll get Marshawn Latimer back. So that'll be big. There's a chance. And look, look, we got to remind ourselves, as, as you, I'm sure you will emphatically do now, that Dennis Allen, from a defensive point of view, and this defense in general, have had – Tampa Bay's number, and if we get Marshawn Lattimore, Lattimore back, um, you know, you, you guys had a had a headline that said we're a carbon copy of of Tampa Bay. Who's going to be the better team going into that game? Saints have a real opportunity in that game. Yeah, I I think they're I know they're going to play it hard, and they know what's at stake this week. That's been the message all week. Uh, they know this is it. I mean, if they lose this, it is definitely over. I mean, there's just 
almost impossible to overcome it. So uh, if they win it, they're in it. That doesn't mean they're going to automatically win the division, but at least they're in it. But if they lose it, it's over. So they know what's at stake, and I think Tampa knows that too. So I think this is going to be real good theater. I think it's going to be a lot like that game earlier this year, Ricky, in the Superdome. If you remember, it was 3-3 three to three going into the fourth quarter in the Superdome. And then we had some turnovers here, and it fell apart, and, and the Bucks ended up pulling away. I think it's going to be a very low-scoring, physical game. I don't wouldn't be surprised if it got a little chippy. These two teams don't like each other, uh, so it should be fun to watch. Yeah, I think yeah that that game really got away from the defense in that in that particular case. Didn't play up to their standard, and they were struggling at that point of the season. They're playing a lot better ball now. You don't see these these uh, these these uh, collapses like you did early in the season. Now, do you? No, I mean they've kind of they've kind of got dialed in up front. They really got after Garoppolo last week. I mean, I was surprised they were able to get as much pressure. They didn't get a lot of sacks, but if you watch that game, he was he had happy feet. He was dancing around, and the 49ers uh, beat reporters I talked to afterwards said they haven't seen him get hit that that often all year. I mean, yeah. he was really getting beat up, and I think they're going to do the same thing to Tom Brady. We've seen them do that to him. Uh, even if they don't sack him, they're, they're hitting him as he's throwing, and that's how you get the takeaways. And I, I, I think the Saints have to get some takeaways in this game. We say it every week. I don't know why it hasn't happened. Uh, but it, it's going to have to happen because I don't think consistently they're going to drive up and down the field on the Bucks. I'll say this one last thing, too. The Bucks are last in the league in running the ball. They're, they can't run the ball to save their lives. So it really comes down to can Tom Brady in that passing game make some plays? And I think that feeds right into the strength of the Saints defense right now, especially if Lattimore comes back. Think it. think it's going to be an interesting game Monday night. Hey, real quick, shift gears, uh, LSU – not, not, you know, you think they're going to be on top of the world, and then suddenly they're not. And then, of course, you've got Tulane, which we never talk about, having this dream season. Yeah, it's uh, they both play at the same time on uh, Saturday in their championship <clears throat> games. Uh, LSU's up against it against Georgia. I think they'll play well after losing at a and It's a big spread. It's like a 17-point spread. Uh, I think they'll they'll cover that and, and give. I don't think they'll beat Georgia, but I think they'll give them everything. Uh, and it sounds like if LSU loses, they'll go to the Citrus Bowl uh, and play maybe Purdue and uh, from the Big Ten. And the, Tulane is looking at a chance, Ricky, if they beat Central Florida, to play in the Cotton Bowl, which would be amazing achievement for the program. They almost lost Ricky uh, uh, Willie Fritz to Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech came after him. It was very close to happening. So we're very fortunate for Tulane to retain him as head coach, and I think they're going to play well on Saturday. Well, it's been a pleasure, my friend. We uh, will see you next week, but this has been Jeff Duncan from NOLA.com and the Times Picking. And when we come back, we have Sonny Schindler, Captain Sonny Schindler. We'll see you after this. Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.